Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's up, Night fans? Welcome to episode number 49 of the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. I'm Jeff Sharon, along with Eric Lopez. And uh, all of a sudden, Eric, no more UCF sports to talk about for the remainder of, until, you know, until, you know, August. Baseball's done. Softball's done. It's all over. What are we going to do, man? Well, we'll march on. We'll march on and... We got off season, a lot of former nights doing good stuff, and uh, we reminisce, reminisce. That's right. Uh, we'll, have, we'll talk with you about. We'll, we'll reveal our summer plans here in a few. Um, like Eric, like Eric mentioned, we're not going to. You're not going to completely be able to get rid of us, <laughs> but uh, we do have a lot to talk about here. We've got um, obviously baseball season. Baseball season comes to an end in the Tallahassee Regional in uh, a pair of games, losses to Auburn and Florida State. Uh, we will talk some football uh, schedule. We'll talk some basketball schedule to get you ready, uh, and we got a, an award to uh, to give props out to for you as well. So, first of all, make sure you follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com. Sign up for email alerts there for any new content that we come up with um, that will be happening throughout the summer as we get ready for the 2017-2018 um, academic year. Uh, we will talk about uh, or oh, what else? Oh yeah, Facebook. Don't forget that black and gold banneret as well. Also on Google Plus, and also uh, look us up on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret. You can hit me up at Jeff underscore Sharon. You can hit Eric up at Eric Lopez Elo, and subscribe to this podcast and rate us if you haven't already on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Tune In. All right, Lopez, let's talk baseball. Um, we were looking forward to this Tallahassee regional. The Knights get um, go to Tallahassee for about the umpteenth time in the, in in uh, in school history when it comes to NCAA time. Uh, we thought it would be uh, either Gainesville or Tallahassee. It ends up being Tallahassee. I thought the Knights. You know, we talked about how that would have been a tough draw last week with Auburn um, being the three, UCF being the two in that in that regional. And uh, lo and behold, that's exactly how it played out. Auburn got the 7-4 to win in the Knights' first game on uh, last Friday. Um, it, it, this was a tough one because uh, the Knights were trailing in this game 4-1. to um, They were down by as much as 7-1 to in the 8th. Tried to fight back by pushing a few across in the 8th and ninth, but um, didn't come to fruition. Robbie Howell took the loss. It was his... First and only loss of the season. He finishes the year ten and one, um, despite um, throwing you know seven innings of a pretty good ball. He did scatter ten hits, gave up four runs, three earned, walked five, struck out four. Um, 
And then uh, Trent Thompson uh, just, just had a bad eighth inning, gave up three runs in that one. So the Knights dropped into the loser's bracket, where unexpectedly they ran into the, uh, the home team, the Florida State Seminoles, who lost their first game to Tennessee Tech. And, uh, but, but, you know, Florida State jumped out 3 nothing in the third uh, on, a, on a home run by Luck. Um, it was just, and then they got another homer by Walls later on in the game to make it four to nothing. They were up five to nothing at one point. Matthew Micah with the RBI single knocked in the final run of the season for UCF to make it five to one, and uh, the final ended up being six to one. Um, the Nulls with uh, eleven hits to UCF's six. Chris Williams takes the L in that one, five and four. Um, Tyler Holton went the distance for Florida State nine innings. Um, gave up only one run. It was unearned on six hits and struck out 13 nights. He was masterful in that game. Uh, and the Knights co- and the night season comes to uh, a sad and I feel like a-, a sad end, right? They finished at 40 and 22, but was it a prematurely sad end in your opinion, Eric? It's a tough regional. Uh, it really you know. was. It, 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 I, I thought that we, we thought it was tough going. It ended up being tougher than we even thought. Well, and the worst thing was they ran into Florida State, who had saved their ace, Tyler Holton. He didn't throw in that Friday night game. So uh, he pitched, and he was magnificent against UCF. And, you know, we questioned the UCF bats going into that region. He faced two quality arms, and uh, there was just no match. It was tough. Yeah. Um, It happens. Uh, You know, it's a tough regional. Uh, It was a wild regional. Florida State actually ended up winning the regional, coming from behind in dramatic fashion. Uh, They won Monday night comfortably but they were down to their last strike on sunday night against auburn and so the seminoles pulled it away but uh tough regional but i think it's a good experience for this program it was just good to be back in an ncaa tournament and i think what we learned is moving forward for coach lovelady i think one of the things that we're you know recruiting is going to have to kind of get to work on is getting some more quality bats into this program i think they were limited from an offensive standpoint all year and it caught up with them in the regional and that was my concern when I left Clearwater and they were shut out by East Carolina was, how are these bats going to do in a regional where you're going to see teams' top pitchers? And that's, I think, what we saw. Yeah, and you look at the guys that they uh, that the Knights are going to be you know, bidding farewell to um, this year um, in terms of your seniors. You know, a lot of them you know, <laughs> come through. Or you're talking about a lot of the bats. Um, you know, Trent, uh, Trent Thompson, Robbie Howell, obviously the pitchers. But, you know, Eli Putnam is going to be gone. Uh, Brennan Bozeman's going to be gone. Austin Griffin, um, who didn't have the best of seasons this year, he's gone. He's going to be gone. Ryan Cryle's a senior. Luke Hamlin's a senior. Brooks Morgan's a senior. Cam Gellinger's a senior. Uh, that's a lot of guys that you're going to be losing off of uh, off a team that you know already, like you said, is uh, is kind of been a little, kind of struggled a little bit with the bats to begin with, right? It was, but you know, again, I don't know if. From a production standpoint, you know, uh, some of them are certainly big parts, but uh, again, they were kind of limited. They overachieved, if you want to be truthful. I, I think yeah. they overachieved uh, in a lot of ways. And credit to Coach Lovelady for taking guys that weren't his, and he and he got the players to buy in. And I think the players definitely bought in a hundred percent, and uh, they they maximized their abilities. I mean, I think this was a limited team, and considering what they accomplished, forty plus wins a conference regular season title for the first time in the program since 2004 when they won the A-Sun, an NCAA tournament appearance. I think it's a heck of a run, and 
Yeah, I'm fascinated to see what Coach Lovelady will have coming in uh, starting next season. I know they're excited about shortstop that's coming in. It's going to be their could be their potential shortstop next year, uh, among others. Uh, they do return a good core. The pitching staff, Sheridan will be back. Williams will be back. Remember, they get Cree Frinfrock back. If uh, and, and some of this you have to kind of wait and see because of the Major League Baseball draft too. Let's keep that in mind. Um, you know, who who could get drafted? Like a Finfrock is eligible to get drafted, but he missed a whole year due to injury. If he were not to go pro, he could be back all of a sudden to that rotation. And you got Barr. Will Barr get drafted or does he come back? So there's some interesting questions that will be certainly interesting to follow uh, coming up here in the draft. But I, I think Lovelady has set the foundation, and I, I think that the program's in a very good hands. And I think for the first time in a while, I think a lot of people feel good about where the program's headed. Yeah, and one of the things that I think was encouraging, you touched upon this. I wanted to go back to the um, the post game after the final, uh, after the second loss to Florida State. Greg Lovelady, who we both share the sentiment that he's just uh, an amazing job, Coach of the Year this year in the American, well deserved. I think he deserves consideration for National Coach of the Year. Fighting back tears. In the press conference, this is what he said. I thanked the seniors. Told them how much I loved them. How grateful me and my family are that they took us with open arms. uh, Did everything I asked. Set forth on a mission that nobody thought that we could do. Didn't care. Just went out every day, sacrificed, worked, uh, believed in each other, believed in the staff. Um, and they, they are the ones that deserve all the credit because when a new coach comes in, the, old, the older guys determine everything. They determine if um, there's buy-in, if the young guys follow. The old guys just say, nah, not interested. Then, you know, you have a bad year and you just wait um, until, you know, you get the players that you recruit in, but I told them from the from early on that I wasn't going to be that way. That I, that if they sacrificed and committed, that I would uh, I would take them as my kids, and they were my guys, and that we'd go to battle every day. So I just thanked them and told them I loved them and how excited I was that they got to win 40 games and experience <clears throat> a regional, um, which you know they'll talk about for the rest of their lives. Wow, uh, that was um, that was a powerful press. Cut. That was, you know, due respect to all of our coaches that we've seen, you know, at UCF for all these years, and and many of them are friends of ours. That was one of the most emotional things I think I've ever seen from a, a UCF coach administrator I, I, in a long time. Um, the the fact that he. You know, we knew, you know, all the entire time, you know, we know how much he cares about this team. But I, I think that, you know, there really is kind of like, there really was this kind of this love affair between the guys that were here and their coach. And I think that he was, you know, overcome by the fact that, you know, as much as he embraced them, they embraced him. And uh, and wow, that that was it, it. It really is a sad end to the season because. Um, yeah, it, it was it was a hell of a ride, and now it's going to get tough. You know, it's gonna it, it it's going to get really really tough. So, 
I mean, what do you think about the what's the final analysis on Greg Lovelady this year? Is we know obviously conference coach of the year. Does he deserve consideration for national coach of the year? Well, it's hard to I mean, when you got a, a team like Oregon State that's like 50 and 4 this year and could be the heavy favorites for the national title. I mean, that's a heck of a job. He might get it over there at Oregon State, but Certainly should get consideration. And I know when we do this uh, podcast uh, in, the, in the future, when we do all the UCF awards, I think he's going to be up for the UCF coach of the year at all sports. Right. I mean, so, uh, you know, I think the, the, the clip you played, I think that's Greg Lovelady in a nutshell. Remember, this is a two time national champion catcher. And I watched him at University of Miami. He was an emotional player. And I think he's an emotional guy. He's a family guy. You notice his family's always around. And I think he treated his players like he said, they're in the clip, like his own. Um, what you see is what you get. And I think the players respect that and admire that. And um, I think he is uh, hes going to do some great things here at UCF. And I think if you're a Knights fan, you got to be excited what the, the future holds. So with the end of baseball comes um, the end of the uh, – of the I call it the academic year, but it's not really. It's the athletic year. And, you know, we're going to have a couple of things we're going to be talking about a little bit later on in the show with that. But um, one of the fun things, we, uh, you know, these last awards that get passed out as well. Um, All-American award to Robbie Howell. Uh, he is the 13th Division I All-American in UCF baseball history. He was announced as a second-team All-America by Collegiate Baseball. Uh, we mentioned, you know, 40-win season. He had he tallied up 10 of those. Lost his final game. Kind of a sad way to go for that to go out, but wanted to pass along congrats to Robbie um, on that. Uh, he was coming into that game against Florida or, or against um, Auburn. 10-0 with a 3.28, 90 strikeouts in 96 innings. Um, what a year for him from white Florida. Um, and the first UCF pitcher since Zach Rogers in 2015 to be uh, an All-American, seventh UCF pitcher uh, in school history. So uh, congrats to Robbie, and, and congrats on UCF baseball for a great year. It's going to be a tough one coming back because, you know, I think that, you know, I wonder how, how tough the conference is going to be next year compared to, uh, compared to this year. We saw how much the, the conference, the AAC, improved uh, from this year to next. We saw how good they were in, um, in Clearwater. Um, it's going to be a tough break, but you know when you look back at this uh, at this season, Eric, man, what a ride it was for UCF baseball. It's, it's kind of like that, you know, bittersweet ending that it was with basketball and uh, with men's basketball and women's basketball and football. To be honest with you, but um, but wow, it's kind of like wow, it, 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 you're kind of seeing some really good things um, growing for this team here, don't you think? The resurgence of the baseball program. Yeah. You know, I think that's the, the way I would describe the word, uh, you know, back in prominence in a week where Eric Skoglin made his Major League Baseball debut, got a win against Detroit, got two starts in the week in a that's week right. where Ben Lively made his debut with the Phillies and got a win. I mean, it was, uh, you know, there's a lot to sell. And uh, obviously, by the time we uh, see baseball again in the fall, yeah, we'll probably see a new look stadium. There'll be some renovations, so yep. interesting uh, to, to follow that. So yeah, they're starting the uh, renovations already. As soon as they knew that we weren't hosts, and they were gonna they were gonna start you know breaking out breaking the shovels out and start getting work on that. I'm excited for that. That should be a lot of fun. And um, and yeah, you mentioned Eric Skoglin um, and uh, Ben Lively getting their first starts um, in the majors. 
Here's a pretty cool little bit of news. This past uh, uh, this past week, Eric Skoglin got this got his second start for Kansas City. Drew Butera was his catcher, the first ever all UCF battery. Yep. In Major League history. So what a time it is for uh, for UCF baseball. Yeah, that was on Sunday. Things didn't go as well for Skoglin. He got the loss against the defending American League champion Cleveland Indians. But, uh, yeah, that's a pretty cool treat. No Drew. Very happy for Drew as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great recruiting week if you're Greg Lovelady. I mean, it's an easy sell. And, uh, I, I, again, uh, I know people are disappointed with the 0-2 in the Tallahassee Regional. But, again, really – uh, a tough, tough, tough task, and I think they maximized their abilities, and I think overall it was a phenomenal year. Uh, if you would have told me in January that this team would win a regular season title in a top-four conference RPI, make win 40 games, make the NCAA tournaments, I mean, you would have taken it. So uh, it's a tremendous start to the Love Lady era. So we will have – now, along those lines, now here's what we're going to do. Over the summer, um, little announcements for you here. We're going to have, you know, talk to some alumni. We're going to do some uh, interview shows basically throughout the summer. We're going to talk to some of our friends, um, folks that we know that have, you know, played, coached at UCF, um, and catch you up on them, sort of a where are they now kind of thing. And, uh, and those will be coming out rather sporadically here and there. So we're going to try an average one per week, but can't really guarantee it because, you know, we're kind of at the mercy of other schedules. So that we're going to do that. <laughs> Uh, and, and we're going to do an award show. And we are going to do – that's the other thing, too. We want to do an, a, little, a little award show. Our next show, show number 50, Eric, is going Ooh. to be an award show. Uh, yes. Our little we're – we're, we haven't even figured out what the heck we're going to call it. We're going to call it the, 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 the Bannies, I guess. For, I'll let you for for banner, Yeah, For the Bannerette, I don't know. The, the Elos, I, I mean, maybe. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Maybe, maybe you guys should send a suggestion to us by uh, – by tweeting us at UCF underscore Banneret because, um, you know, like we said, it, it, this, is a, this is our first year doing this. What a year it has been. But, um, you know, it's going to be fun, and, uh, and we're going to do some. I know that for sure we're going to do um, Athlete of the Year. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going we're to certainly um, Female Athlete of the Year, Male Athlete of the Year. We're going to do Coach of the Year. We're going to do Game of the Year and, yes. as well. So, uh, uh, so, and, and maybe we'll do like moment of the year as well, like, cause that's different, you know, different from game of the year. So, um, so we'll, again, we're kind of ironing, ironing it out. We'll figure it out, but we, we, I know it's going to be fun for you. I'm actually going on vacation, uh, later on this week when we figure thing, you know, when we take a little breather here and, uh, and we'll figure all that out. So be on the lookout for that. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got a few news and notes to sort of wrap up, and then we will knock out the, and then we will get out of here uh, in show number 49 here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Stick around, we'll be right back. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trace Trolko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Oh, yeah, I've, I've heard of those guys. <laughs> 
You know, Nightline has UCF Sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF Sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on! Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you. Follow us at UCF underscore Banneret, also on Facebook and also on blackandgoldbanneret.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and tune in. All right, Elo, let's uh, wrap up a couple of uh, quick things that we, want, that we have before we uh, get out of here. I wanted to talk about, okay, basketball schedule, schedules in general. All right. First things up, basketball schedule, they announced two big matchups here in the non-conference. All right. First off, home and home against Alabama. Hashtag we want Bama in basketball. December 3rd, 2017 at Tuscaloosa. And then the Tide come here to Orlando in 2018, date to be determined. And the Knights also secured fellow S- another not a fellow SEC team but another SEC team Mizzou coming to CFE Arena confirmed November 30th all right so um so two big uh, two big gets for Johnny Dawkins in terms of the schedule i know we talked about how Johnny Dawkins has worked out in terms of you know the on court but i think you know off the court getting some of these big opponents you know he's pretty well connected in college basketball i think he had a you know i mean obviously he had a pretty good hand in getting the, in, in getting Mizzou and Alabama to agree to this but um, you know, we've talked about how you know hard it is sometimes to get some of these big conference opponents down here to Orlando for football, but here they are coming down here for basketball. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah, I mean the Missouri game. Let's start with that. That's right after the Thanksgiving tournament that UCF will be a part of at Disney. So, you know, Johnny Dawkins, you know, not a surprise toughening up that schedule. He did that at Stanford. Uh, I think he feels very good about this team coming up this year. A lot of high expectations. And, yeah, he's beefing up the non-conference schedule, too, for RPI purposes and also get you set ready for the conference. I think it's phenomenal. It's exciting. And Missouri will have the number one highly recruited high school basketball player that's going to be the freshman, who many believe will be a lottery pick, if not the number one pick. You're talking about Michael Porter Jr., right? Correct. Uh, And he's going to be at the arena. So uh, it's exciting. Uh, think about it. I mean, when was the last time I was trying to think the last marquee non-conference basketball home game uh, at the CFE arena? Hmm. Like when, when we had a, you know, cause that's been the thing. I mean, we've had Miami. I know when Jim Larinaga a few years ago, come in, uh, I know Florida state. Uh, that's always been the question about getting Florida state. And I'm trying to remember Florida state. Uh, or somebody I'd like put that. Miami up there. I'd put Miami up there. I, th- I know that's like the the, yeah. the the last time we had uh, you know Memphis aside, right? Um, the last time we had like a really big NBA talent. Um, gosh, I was working camera for that game. Um, you know, Mar- when Marshall had um, Hassan Whiteside. Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, and he and um, gosh, I remember that game. We couldn't get a shot. We couldn't get a shot to the rim against him, and. Um, uh, but it's been it's been a while since we have like a really really highfalutin non conference opponent coming coming here aside from you know in the regular season obviously we just, you know we had in Illinois here during the 
the NIT, which was which was great. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be. Uh, I'm excited to see these two. Also, SEC opponents, and, and this certainly speaks to I think you know the fact that you know let's face it, the SEC is you know Kentucky aside, not exactly the strongest basketball conference in the world. Um, and and getting these two opponents from there, uh, I think is going to be you know I, I think these are two you know good opponents, but winnable games for UCF, don't you think? Hopefully. I think that's the goal. Absolutely. Help your resume. Uh, get the, those wins. No question about it. Now, I'm going through the schedule, right? Since the new arena was built, which was back in the, uh, I think it was fall in the November of 07, all right? Uh, something like that. There was a year in the, that year, in the first year that the building opened, where Connecticut, as a non-conference opponent, did come. It was on a December 28th. I was there. Uh, Connecticut won that game 85-82. Yeah. All right. That was a non-conference team uh, you know, back then. I'm going through year by year right now. Otherwise, we're going to get yelled at later. And it's like, well, you forgot about this. What are you talking about? Um, but obviously, you know, towards the end of Kirk's era and towards, you know, most of Donnie's era, you know, they, they, they played some tough games, but it was usually on the road uh, or neutral court, not at the building. Uh, now, you know, I don't really count USF. Uh, you know, it's a rival. You know, they did play a non-conference at the UCF arena, uh, at the CFE arena. I don't know where, you know, that that's not a marquee program. Though. It's a rivalry game, but it's not a you know, marquee uh, rivalry that, you know, uh, but that's been the issue with the challenge with this program is can they draw teams to come to Orlando? And, and the fact that 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 Johnny has been able to get a Missouri, which will be talked about a lot. Now, Missouri has had their issues uh, recently, but still, as I mentioned, highlighted the players that they're going to have. They're going to have some excitement and optimism towards that program. Um, and let's coming not sleep up. on Bama either here, too. Um, they went 19-15 last year. Their Avery coach, Johnson. Avery Johnson, that's right, uh, the general. Um, former NBA Coach of the Year, of course, um, down in uh, Dallas. Um, you know, won a, you know, one, I think, you, I know he won at least one championship as a player with the Spurs. He might have won a few more, a couple more. Um, they were in the NIT as a three C. They lost to Richmond, and they supposedly have a top ten recruiting class uh, coming. In fact, they might be ranked in the preseason top twenty five when all is said and done. So maybe, maybe. I mean, that's you know, that's a pretty you know, that, and I think that'll be a nicely televised game too, don't you? I mean, there's a lot of appeal so. there. Yeah. Uh, with that basket matchup, I, I think there's some appeal. Uh, I, I I really do believe that uh, strongly. So two I, veteran I, NBA point guards going at it one more time as college coaches now between Johnny Dawkins and Avery Johnson, right? Oh, very good, very good. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, trying to turn programs around, and then Missouri, obviously. So no, that's exciting. By the way, the Miami uh, did play at the arena. I'm looking this up right now. In twenty, the year 2012, 2013, they played at the now CFE arena. I know some people, by the way, might be yelling, what about the Florida win? Well, that was at the Amway Center. Right. That wasn't at the campus. So let's let's make that uh, jurisdiction. Florida State did come and play at the arena. I'm glad I I'm glad I knew that happened because I was at that game. That was in the year 2013-2014 where uh, FSU and Leonard Hamilton did play here. It was Wednesday, November the 13th of 2013. Um, so they got that team in the building as well. Um, but that's about it, Jeff. Uh, I mean, it's not been easy to get teams here. So I, I think that's exciting. 
the as far as you know getting a marquee a home game with Missouri this year and then Alabama the following year and who knows what else is to follow. Yeah, so I'm hoping that this, like you said, this is the first in uh, first of many opportunities that this happens. And remember, and remember, they're playing at Disney. Uh, we don't know the brackets or that that'll be announced in the summer. But among the teams that'll be in that tournament is West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who knows? There is a possibility that UCF could play West Virginia in that tournament to beef up that schedule uh, as well. So. I mean, this could be a marquee, one of the most impressive UCF basketball schedules of all time. Uh, when all is said and done, depending on how this plays out, uh, I'm ex- I mean, and with the expectations after the great finish last year, the great run, Taco Fall coming back. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to me, it, it's going to be uh, one, maybe one of the most anticipated, if not the most anticipated. Uh, basketball seasons in UCF history. I, I mean, can you? I mean, can you make? Can you think of a more anticipated uh, basketball season? Uh, you know, in 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 the history of this program, uh, I can't. Most anticipated, I think, since Jermaine Taylor's senior year. I remember there being a lot of buzz with Jermaine coming in uh, to that last year, and AJ Romsa, you know, kind of being as. You know, kind of being the uh, you know his uh, you know little brother to big brother thing, and uh, and that, but but I still think that that pales in comparison to what we're talking about here with Taco Fall. Speaking of anticipation, football, we're only what it's June the fifth, six seven eight. We're three months away from we're less actually less than three months away from the start of football season. Can you believe this already? And we have some uh, TV schedule news to pass along as well. So uh, nothing yet on the September 2nd FIU game. We're hoping, as fans, hoping that they move that game to that. I think you said that, was it that Thursday? Well, it's a, I do wonder if it's a possibility if that game gets moved or not. Who knows? Because the reason I bring it up is more of a competitive situation. Uh, Memphis, who UCF will play on the 9th, will open their season at home. On a Thursday night, the Thursday night of the opening weekend of the season. So if you're UCF, do you want to have, you know, play on a Saturday while Memphis is playing on a Thursday night? That means they would have a two day advantage on you for for preparation. And let me ask you this. By the way, Memphis is playing Louisiana Monroe at home on that Thursday, by the way, at home. Um don't you think this is the, one of the main reasons why George O'Leary, who you worked, uh, you, you've been around, hated playing conference games early in the season? Remember, yeah. George always said he wanted to play his four non-conference games and then get into conference. And I think this is one of the reasons why, because now all of a sudden, you know, it, it's easy to kind of manipulate. If that, I know that's a strong word, but kind of maneuver the schedule in September uh, in a situation like this. So now all of a sudden. You've got a conference game in week two of the season. You got a young defense. You got they got some questions you got to answer, and now all of a sudden the team you're playing is playing on that Thursday night. Now you got to move your schedule possibly to avoid being in a two day disadvantage. Now you might think that's overblown and it's overrated, but you know I mean as your as your, as a coach I mean that's important. I mean yeah. every day every hour matters. Um, it's if a lot harder. A way that I can move that game if I'm a coach to sort of even that out, then sure. yes. But but remember, it takes two to tango, and we don't know if Butch sure. Davis, the right. who, you know, remember, Butch is going to be coaching his first ever game at FIU 
yep. whenever we play them. So if they move it to Thursday, you know, maybe you could, you know, maybe you could get some some television out of that. Possibly. I think so. I mean, but it's going to be, but you know, I, you're not going to be on ESPN, but you might be on, no. uh, you might be on ESPN, you might be able to score yourself on ESPN News somewhere around there. ESPN U, I did look, I studied the TV listings because that's what I do. Uh, <laughs> I ES- knew you were uh, into no. that. <laughs> uh, I did break that down because I had a feeling you were going to bring that up. Uh, ESPN U has yet to announce a game for Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, now ESPN already has announced Ohio State is at Indiana. They've already, you know, they already have their ESPN game on Friday night. They already, in fact, they have Navy at FAU on ESPN U on Friday night of mm-hmm. the season. And I did notice most of the slots on that Saturday are already taken. Now there's a chance that there's a noon game slot available on that Saturday. So here's the question: If you're a UCF fan, would you rather play on Saturday, let's say at noon, or do you rather play on a Thursday or Friday night? Now that's an interesting debate. Oh, give me that Thursday, man. Let me start the Labor Day weekend off early on Thursday. You know, with the game against F- FIU, Butch Davis, and all that coming into town, and um, you know, I, I'm, I'm I'd be looking forward to that. But the one thing we do know for sure is the start times and TV uh, networks for um, for three of those first uh, for three of those first five games. You mentioned the Memphis game. That is set for 8 p.m. on ESPN News on, on Saturday, September the 9th. So that's locked in. That's going to be on, that's going to be on the news. Uh, one week later, September 16th, Georgia Tech, 7.30 p.m., also on ESPN News. And then the main game on September the 30th, remember that at Maryland game, uh, because it's at Maryland, Big Ten, September 23rd, um, they're still trying to sort that out in terms of TV. But the main game, 6.30 p.m. kick on September 30th, that will be on ESPN3. So you can catch that that one um, online. Everything else is to, is to be determined except for October 21st at Navy, which will be a 3.30 kick on CBS Sports Network. But you can start filling in your schedule. I like the fact that we're getting these primetime games on ESPN News. I know you're like, oh, come on, ESPN News. You know, why can't we be on, you know, on, on one or two? Well, <laughs> there are reasons for that when you're playing in prime time. But the bottom line is, you know, as we've seen before, you know, age of social media, right? If the two games on ESPN and ESPN2 stink and you got a real barn burner going on between UCF and Memphis, all of a sudden late that evening, prime time, you could score yourself some ratings, right? Absolutely. I mean, there's no question about that. You know, uh, night games are good. That's what fans like. It's not hot and all that in September, no doubt about it. Obviously, the Memphis games, I think, is a huge game. A lot of people like Memphis uh, as a conference championship contender. September 9th, they got a very dynamic offense. So I think that's going to be a lot of intrigue on the 9th uh, on ESPN News. And then you mentioned Georgia Tech, the game on the 16th, ESPN News. The only negative about that game, as I have mentioned last week, was obviously that's going up at the same time as Florida State Miami is going to be playing at 8 o'clock mm-hmm. on ABC that night. So you're going to lose a lot of, uh, I think, casual people that would normally maybe either cover the game or watch the game or go to the game because of the Miami-Florida State factor, as well as Florida-Tennessee, in fairness, at 3.30 game on games. That's a monster day in the state of Florida. But um, 
you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's an interesting home slate and contrast of styles with Memphis as spread offense, and then you're going to the triple option of Georgia Tech. So yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit of everything. And, uh, you know, and then Maine, obviously, 630 game. Interesting going 630, not six, not seven, going 630. Um, do you have any, you know, I don't know if there's any rationale behind that or not, but uh, I found that very interesting as somebody who was always into round numbers. So, but, uh, you know, a lot of people like the night games. And uh, they got him. So well, now you got to show up, right? That's now, the you thing. Know what? Who cares if it's at six or seven or six thirty? Show up to the game, even though it's Maine. <laughs> you know, just come, yeah. come out to the game. I mean, you, you know, and you know, like I said, don't sleep on those D, on, on those on those uh, FCS games. But um, you know, coming right out, that'll be right after that Maryland game on the road, and then right before the Cincinnati game on the road. So um, that may be uh, maybe just what the doctor ordered at least at this point. But I'm looking forward to all those games. And you're right about that contrast in styles between Memphis and then the next week playing Georgia Tech. But I like playing Georgia Tech because they run the same offense that Navy runs. And Navy's going to be a contender in the conference again next year. So at least you'll have a chance to, you know, when you're running that triple option, you, when you play Navy in the conference game, which is, you know, let's face it, I know, the co- I know Coach Frost is not going to say this, but that's more important. Um, it's going to be nice to sort of, ha- you know, have that, in the bag, like, hey, we've already seen this before once this year, as opposed to, you know, the Navy game being the first time that you see that kind of weird, you know, that, that, that kind of weird offense that you see. So, um, so at least that's fun. So we'll have updates for you on the football schedule going through and news and notes here and there. But um, real quick, before we go, Eric, I want to just go a little bit more in depth into what we're going to do um, this summer. Can't make any promises as to who we're going to have, but in our nightline, uh, or nightline, wow, uh, in our <laughs> Black and Gold Banneret podcast uh, um, summer editions, we're going to spend some time reaching out to some friends of ours who are uh, former UCF athletes, UCF coaches, people who are associated with um, with you know every UCF sport we can find, and just catch up with them. What are they up to these days? Um, and figuring out you know what they've got, uh, you, you know, giving you a little kind of where are they now? And uh, this is always fun because we always talk about this all the time, right? Like and uh, and, and it gives us a chance to, you know, maybe it, these are all people who maybe if we had this podcast some years ago, um, we would have had them on, you know, when they were here at UCF. But we never got the opportunity to because we're, you know, we only just started this this year. But now we'll get the chance to make it up to them. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. What about you? You, you got some names already, uh, already kind of thrown around. I know we're yeah, not going to yeah, reveal yeah. any, but we got some no, people no, that we yeah. might think about. Yeah. You know, we're no, going to keep it a surprise. So. Yeah, absolutely. We got a lot of different angles to 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 go from from different sports a lot of different storylines going on and uh just because it's the the off season uh to get you ready for the football season obviously you know just because it's the off season as you know news tends to happen i mean yeah. stuff will come out the rest of the tv knows i mean we'll find out soon enough when the fiu game time will be and all that and react to that as well as other stuff going on so uh you just never know so uh but i'm looking forward to uh, kind of reconnecting with some old uh, alumni uh players and coaches that's kind of the, the hope and uh, obviously the award show though it's really what i'm looking forward to yeah it should be fun we're going to have that next week as well so we're going to put together our awards and we'll have the first annual banneret awards podcast coming up uh next week after i get back from uh vacation what are you working on this week eric I am just laying low, doing my regular deal, kind of go and withdraw, go in UCF withdrawal. And, 
at Eric Lopez. No, you're Field. not. You're going to be watching a lot of college World Series, women's college World Series, and women's college World Series, right? That's correct. We're actually recording this on uh, Monday night, June the fifth, and this crazy Oklahoma Florida game's in the bottom of the fifteenth, tied at four. <laughs> and there's a, and there's a possibility that by the time you guys are wa- listening to this podcast, this game is, still hasn't ended. We think it have ended by now, but we right. maybe it won't. Who knows? Maybe this game will go on forever, and you know. Uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's fun. You're right. There's a college baseball super regionals and World Series still going on, and obviously the World Women's World Series, as you mentioned, going on, and uh, a lot of other stuff going on. But uh, no, hey, just uh, there's you never you know just keep it here. We'll keep you updated on any developments. This will be good stuff. All right, so so with that, we will wrap it up here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast for our 49th show. Our 50th is going to be the the season ending award show, Eric. How about that? Looking forward to that one. I, mean, I have a feeling we're going to have a lot of debates, a lot of arguments, uh, a lot of awards, a lot of interesting banter on who should get what. And uh, that, I'm, like I said, I got goosebumps. I'm going to be thinking about that, to be honest, for the next week because uh, there's just a lot to digest. Yep, it's going to be a lot. But I'm looking forward to playing that one out. And by the way, if you have suggestions, send them to us. Look it up on our Facebook page, Black and Gold Banneret. Tweet it at us at UCF underscore Banneret. Tweet to me at Jeff underscore Sharon. Tweet to Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. And don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, Google Play, and tune in as well. All right, Elo, I'll catch you later. Take it easy, bud. And thank you for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We'll catch you with our award show next week.